Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on John Rahm's sensational US Open win at Torrey Pines. It's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf and the most played golf ball at the US Open, with 72% of the field putting one in play at Torrey Pines last week. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and I am joined by a quite tired, I think, Elliot Heath. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, hi Tom. Yeah, I am a bit tired actually. You are right. Yeah, all good. We obviously had a very late night uh, last night watching uh, John Rahm's um, amazing victory. Really good tournament, I thought, uh, at the US Open. But it did finish quite late for us, didn't it? Yeah, not as bad as Thursday and Friday, though. Saturday was long as well. So, yeah, it's always tough for us over in the UK and Europe watching golf on the West Coast. I don't know what it's like for the Australians and stuff. I know we've got quite a few Australian listeners, actually, I was looking. But, um, yeah, looking forward to next July. Well, next month, sorry, um, with the Open Championship. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be all day, isn't it? It's going to be very weird uh, having that time difference. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, it was, I mean, it was a bit of a struggle, and especially a very late night. Uh, Thursday night was ridiculous, about four o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? So, yeah, very late. But uh, I thought the tournament was, was brilliant, wasn't it? And uh, we've, we're actually going to hear from John Ryan, which is going to be great, and we're going to discuss everything about the US Open. Uh, coming up but there's one thing that we need to start off with Elliot and that is how bad did you play golf on Wednesday with me last week <laughs> god yeah I forgot about that that feels like a long time ago uh yeah I, I probably didn't help the team did I let, let's be honest no you were a disgrace I felt like I was playing two other people for 18 holes where were you you had a, you had a day off you were affected by the heat weren't you Oh, yeah, it was very hot. And then I saw that tap, and I was like, oh, please. But the tap was quite warm. The halfway hut was closed. Uh, so, yeah, we played two four-ball ball matches, didn't we, uh, over nine holes, and we lost both of them. Um, I thought you played quite well, actually, but you didn't really have a partner, so apologies no. there. Well, you know, I, I was reasonably solid, I suppose, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of playing on my own. Yeah, the, the moment where you your head really went down was when... Um, you, you reached the halfway hut and it was about four o'clock and it just shut and there's a big sign on the door saying ice creams available i thought you're gonna cry uh so uh, yeah that was quite funny no but yeah. we, had a, we, had a, we had a nice uh day out west hill was looking splendid wasn't it looking fantastic condition yeah gorgeous um but yeah i was pining for that halfway hut after about three holes wasn't i and yeah um, getting there was slightly heartbreaking <laughs> i'd actually say two holes uh, it was very, very hot, wasn't it? But uh, no, good day and uh, good to know that you are still rubbish at golf, Elliot. So, oh, well, actually, myself and my dad won our first round doubles match at the weekend and I thought I played quite well. So um, it was probably just the heat that got to me that day, I'd say. I mean, who were you playing? Uh, we, we were actually playing uh, a 12 handicap who played quite well and a 32 handicap who came on about two holes. So, um, yeah. Okay. A bit like playing against me and you the week before then. Well, congratulations to you and your father. Um, I hope you celebrated with a few points. So, um, yeah, well, I look forward to hearing about your next round then and that. Uh, is this the competition? What was the competition which you lost in the final? 
Uh, that was the singles a couple of years ago. Uh, but I've got the foursomes on Thursday night as well. So uh, all the matches are going on at the moment. And, oh, they're such a pain to organise when there's four of you. But it is worth it, especially when you win. Exactly. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, well, we look forward to hearing about your exploits. And when you get knocked out, that'll be interesting over the next few weeks. And uh, hearing how bad you play. But never mind. Anyway, let's talk about some actual problem golf. Um, John Rahm won his first major at the US Open at Toy Pines. Uh, first Spanish winner of the US Open, and he's back to world number one. And I thought he played superbly, but the, I thought the whole tournament was just brilliant. It was so exciting. We didn't know where uh, it was going to go uh, with about nine, ten holes to go. Um, I mean, with nine holes to go, Bross de Chambeau was leading, and he then shot something ridiculous on the back nine, something like 44, didn't he, or something? So, um it was a real test, but I didn't think, you know, it was a fair test, I thought. But the golf course was set up really well. Um, it's a tough enough course as it is. It doesn't need any thicker rough than it, than it had. And I just thought it was a great event. How did you find it? Yeah, um, I thought the first two days were a bit difficult. But, um, yeah, the back nine on Sunday is what a major is all about, isn't it? And it was, uh, yeah, incredible. <laughs> you thought Bryson DeChambeau was going to win, and then he ended up finishing tie 26th. Uh, there's some great stories. Richard Bland did really well. Um, great to see McElroy back up there again, although he came up a bit short. And um, yeah, just a, a spectacular performance from John Rahm. He said it was karma after his COVID um, nightmare a couple of weeks ago at the, mem um, the memorial. And yeah, he just played like we know he can, to be honest. Obviously, like he changed equipment at the start of the year. So he's he's had that bedding in process and it looks like he is uh, back to where he should be now. And, um, yeah, the only surprise for me, to be honest, is that he wasn't winning majors two years ago. So, um, yeah, let's hope he can kick on and, and win some more. Yeah, I think this is a big, big turning point for Ram. I think he just seems to be in such a good place now. Obviously, uh, just become a dad. Um, has been through the mill a bit the last couple of weeks. You know, he had to... He had to withdraw from the tournament because he tested positive for COVID when he was six shots clear. You know, he had a very odd time. It's his first Father's Day. You know, it's, he just seemed to be very happy. And I think that's the thing he's needed to to get get with him. And we've seen before, I remember when he was at the players and he was doing playing so well. And then he uh, kind of lost the plot of it, you know, went overly aggressive. And then he just seems to see the red mist every now and then. But actually, he seems to be just in a, a better place. Maybe that's fatherhood or, or whatever it is. But he um, he played, I thought, played superbly, ag aggressively as well. You know, birded 17 and 18 to win, let's face it. And um, he's, he's just very good at Tory Pines, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's a special place for him after uh, that win in 2017, that amazing part on the 18th green and then, he got engaged there to, to Kelly, his now wife. Uh, he's gone and won his first major there. So, yeah, it's a, a very special place for that, um, for him. And he said that in his press conference. Uh, I thought his press conference was brilliant. He um, had some interesting things to say as well about uh, how, I think it was at the Players' Championship after the third day, or it might be the PGA. And he said he just he wasn't happy with his behaviour and, and something like that. So, um yeah, hopefully he is turning that around. You can see that how happy he is, how you know good his his life seems to be. So um, he just looks like he's matured, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that he just he's a fantastic golfer. He's so young still, isn't he? You know, he's still how old is he now? Twenty. 
I think he's 26 or 25, so he's about the same age as me, which is a bit depressing. <laughs> you know, he's, he's mid-20s and loving life, you know, settled down and um, playing superb golf. He's just such an entertainer, uh, just a brilliant all-round uh, player. And um, we're going to hear some audio from him now, Elliot? Yeah, shall we just play his full press conference? Let's go for it. So here is US Open champion, John Rahm. Please join me in welcoming the champion of the 121st U.S. Open, John Rahm. John, how does that sound? Sounds good. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, I'm still a little bit on, on golf mode, right? Uh, I feel like when we're, I'm in that mode, it takes me a while to, to get out of it. Uh, it, might not, it probably won't happen tonight. It might happen tomorrow. I don't know. At some point, it'll hit me. Um, but I'm still thinking that there might be a playoff. I don't know. I've been scarred before, so it's 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 incredible that I'm sitting next to this trophy. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago I watched my good friend Phil win it, not this one, but win uh, win the PGA, and I took a lot of inspiration from that. You know, um, I've been close before, and I just knew on a Sunday the way I had been playing on the Sundays the last few the last few majors, I just had to be close and. I knew I could get it done, and I'm keeping that good Sunday mojo going. Uh, and, man, I got it done in, in a fashion that apparently only can happen to me at Torrey Pines. Well, you're in golf mode. Talk about those last two putts. Did you know kind of what score you thought you needed to post, and, and what were you seeing there on those putts? So <laughs> when I missed my putt on 14, I told Adam, you know, it was a good putt. The one on 13 was slightly pushed. The one on 14 was a good putt. It's just point at grains happened. It didn't roll as truthfully as it could have rolled. And I told him two fours and two threes on the last four holes wins the tournament. Um, and that's what I set out to do, you know, and play four really good holes. Uh, and not that I was really thinking about it on 17, but last time I won here, I finished birdie eagle, and I knew I could finish strong again. I knew history could get close to repeating itself. And I was aware of it hitting that putt. And I stayed patient all day. Uh, I haven't made many long putts all week. I made one on Thursday on, on 14, but uh, that's the kind of putts I like, you know. Uh, I've made a couple of long left to righters in the past and some clutch moments, and I was able to get two more in the last two holes. People talk a lot about where they win their U.S. Open, and for you to win it here on your first Father's Day, is that just icing on the cake? Yes. You know, I mean, the, if you follow golf, I feel like you've heard it a million times how much I love this place, you know. Uh, it's been my favorite city for a long time. It was my wife's favorite city before we ever met. And she used to come stay at this Hilton before they knew what golf was, pretty much. Um, and getting my first PJ Tour win here the way I did with my dad watching, uh, I was really happy my dad was here that time. And as a father on my first Father's Day, with my, with my dad here to get this one done the way I did, you know, on top of that, you add the fact that we got engaged here as well. And, you know, we have, I have a very happy life. I have, you know, I can say I'm extremely happy off the golf course, but this one might steal the show for a couple of days. <laughs> this is uh, very, very incredible. Very, very hard to believe that something, some story of the, the story can round up and end up so good. It almost feels like this is going to be a movie that's about to end and I'm going to wake up soon. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the setback I had a couple of weeks ago to end up like this, it's it's incredible. Uh, I do love Torrey Pines, and Torrey Pines loves me. We're going to go to Adam on the right. John, how aware were you of the star-studded leaderboard and what was happening around you, and how did you keep your composure on the back nine? 
Well, I'm not going to lie. I was trying not to look at the leaderboards, uh, but the crowd was not cooperating. They were telling me exactly what was going on. Uh, so I decided to embrace it. You know, you see all these great names, and to, my, to myself, I thought, whoever wins this one is going to be the one who won a U.S. Open with the Star Pack leaderboard. And I just, you know, after I thought that, I went about my business. That was about the 10th hole. I know I had to survive the next two holes and hopefully give myself a chance in the last five. And uh, I did. That's <laughs> it was something I knew I could do, and I was just focusing on each shot, and you know, I ended up getting it done. We're going to hear to Doug. John, you, you mentioned Phil a minute ago. He had as, as much, if not more, talent than you when he when he turned pro. It took him till he was 34 to win his first major. I know you're 26. You're still young, but was there any part of you, this being such a funny game, that was? Um, not pressing, but but thinking more and more about it as you came to each major. No. Uh, it's funny how, you know, it, it's very easy to think, oh, well, only majors count. Like, it's easy to win a major golf tournament. I mean, it's not easy. That's why only a select group of people do it. Uh, and I feel like coming in here without having practiced <clears throat> much relaxed me a little bit. I was like, you know what? In case I play bad, I do have an excuse. <laughs> I have a bailout in case, you know, I can convince myself like, hey, you know, I had COVID, right? Uh, but I feel like it relaxed me a little bit. And ever since the Sunday at the PGA, I, I, I felt a bit of a shift on the golf course mentally. Uh, I still had that grit, but almost like each miss bothered me less. Um, I couldn't tell you why. I believe it's because I really set out myself to be an example for my son that he would be proud of. Uh, and I have, I've done some stuff in the past in the golf course that I'm not proud of and I wish I could eliminate, but I've accepted it. And not saying there's going to be a smooth sailing until the end, but um, I feel like that Sunday of the PGA changed things a little bit. My, my mental game was really good and it was the same thing at Memorial. Um, you know, mentally I was really, really well and that's what allowed me to play such good golf and he followed into this week. In the past, I've gotten frustrated in the U.S. Open. I've made a lot of birdies and a ton of bogeys and double bogeys, and I was able to kind of switch it up this week and actually made more birdies than, than bogeys and, and get it done. Congratulations. Thank you. We're going to take one from the WebEx. Um, knowing what you needed to do on those final few holes, how did you stay so calm? I mean, I might have looked calm. I was not calm. Uh, it's, uh, I wish people could see our heart rate <laughs> when we're playing in those moments because that was tense. It's... Uh, it's going, but you practice to let your body basically take over, right? And, and that's what I did. Uh, I think the fact that I stayed patient and hopeful, and I believed that something good was coming my way, is what helped, you know? Um, I never lost hope for a second. I kept hitting good shots, I kept giving myself chances, and even when I had that lip out on 15 where you can get a little bit desperate, I just kept hitting good shots and almost made birdie on 16 and two ended up dropping at the end. Uh, my mindset was the same on the first putt on Thursday till the last one on 18. I mean, situation does change a little bit, but routine and, and really staying in the present is what helps. We're going to go right behind me. Uh, congratulations, John. Um, I, I understand that after the memorial, on Saturday at the memorial, I think you were in the scores tent, I think you got a phone call from somebody that provided some advice on sort of how to handle it. Can you... Maybe expand on that. Who was it from, and and kind of what? I had a few phone calls. I had yeah. a few. Uh, the first person who called me that was in family. Um, it was uh, right away when I was on the isolation trailer. Was was Padraig Harrington, and he told me a story in which he was leading by five, 
after 54 holes, signed the wrong scorecard and got disqualified. Uh, and he said he got a lot more from that instance. He learned a lot more than he would have ever learned from a win. Uh, Nick Faldo texted me the next morning and told me a story of uh, how he was winning a tournament. He was leading by six with six holes to go. He got disqualified as well. And now he learned from that and got a win the week after on, uh, in a, I think it was the million dollar shootout in South Africa, I believe. I might be wrong. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a big shootout. So I believed from the biggest setbacks, you can get some of the biggest breakthroughs. And, and that's why I stay so positive. That's why I kept telling Kelly when she was devastated about what happened in my family and everybody around me, something good is going to come. I don't know what, but something good is going to come. And I felt it today out there on the golf course. You know, I, I had in mind Padraig and, and Nick when I was out there on the golf course a couple of times, knowing that, you know, they won, they won shortly after, and I knew today was my day. Right here. John, can you walk us through the putt on 18, and when did you know it was going in? Uh, well, I'm a field player, right? So I could tell you if we go where I was, the spot I was looking at, uh, but I, I don't know how far left of the hole it was. Uh, I think it was three, four feet left of the hole. Um, and, you know, I stayed positive. I watched Lee Westwood hit that putt to tie, to try to tie Rocco a couple of years ago on 18. And I knew at the end, it snaps hard right at the end. I know it does. It doesn't really look like it, but it does. Um, that's why Tiger's putt took so long to end up breaking left the same year. So um, I was aware of that. I trusted my read. And as soon as I made contact, it looked up and, lo and saw where the ball was going. It was exactly the speed and line I visualized. And I told myself that's in. If you could see my thoughts with 10 feet to go, in my mind, I'm like, that's in the hole. And, and it went in. Right here. John, now that you're at this point, uh, can you describe what the process has been like of getting your temperament to match your talent? Well, I, I've said it before. I know it's hard to believe, but it's been a steady progress. Like everything in life, the setbacks. But I feel like from the setbacks, some good moments have come. Um, I believe becoming a dad was always going to help me because before I could always have the excuse that getting mad helped me out, helped me win golf tournaments. Uh, but right now, I'm a role model to my son. I'm going to be, and as I am to many, many kids out there. And now I understand what I can do, and I know I can perform at my best without showing my frustration so much. Uh, I made that deal with myself after the third round of the PGA you know I wasn't happy with how I ended and I could have handled it better and I bowed to myself to be a better role model for my son he won't remember any of this because he's only 10 weeks old but I do and hopefully in the future he can grow up to be somebody who's proud of his dad and hopefully I can provide that example and, and can you describe this morning when you, the, right when you wake up where your mind starts going I got woken up by crows I don't know why but that's what I was thinking I was thinking man those birds um no, I mean, I did the same routine, you know, uh, for people that follow this, and I'm going I'm to shock a few people. I woke up excited because I could watch uh, a match that uh, a Call of Duty tournament, you know, which was eSports that was going on. Uh, a team that I follow, which is Optics Chicago, had just played and, uh, the night before, and I knew I could watch it. It's about an hour and a half, so I had a busy morning. <laughs> and uh, I went downstairs, you know, got my water, my coffee, 
the chef was making breakfast and I was just watching my, my Call of Duty event. That's simple as that. Then Kelly came down with the baby, spent some dad time, and then got ready. I mean, um, I know, shocking for some people, but yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> We're going to go back to the WebEx. Was there a journalist you referenced during the award ceremony? And if, who, if so, who? I mentioned a girl, uh, a, uh, a girl, God, uh, um, a guy, <laughs> a good friend of mine. His name is Jose, was Jose Manuel Cortizas, Corti. This, this journalist, he basically did basketball in the city I'm from, in Bilbao, for a newspaper. Newspaper. He followed basketball. And the, the owner of the, or the CEO of the newspaper said, hey, start following this golfer who's doing pretty good things. And without ever hesitating, he jumped on a plane and started following me around the, the world. He had never stepped foot on a golf course, and he had no idea what was going on. Um, I think his first year was uh, my first pro year. Um, and unfortunately, that journalist passed away a couple months ago due to COVID. Uh, he was very quick, too. He was in good health um, from when he got it till the ICU till he passed. It was extremely quick, and he would have loved to be here. He, he had just started to pick up golf a little bit. He... Uh, you know, he held me to a really high standard, always told me when I was doing wrong things and always told me when I was doing right. And, you know, he, he was, I was somebody I was proud of. I mean, he took a leap of faith to start following somebody and do your job but do something completely different around the world, something you know nothing about. Um, at the same time, he has, I believe, uh, around a 20-year-old daughter that now has no dad, and it happened extremely quick. Uh, it's just sad, you know. He was a great friend, great family friend, and this right here is, is definitely for him because he would have loved more than anybody else to be here covering this. Doug on the right. John, the more I listen to you of, of your times or chances in a major, is this the least amount of pressure you felt? Yes, definitely. Um, just because it felt like such a fairy tale story that I knew it was going to have a happy ending. I, I could just tell... Just going down the fairway after that first tee shot, that second shot, and that birdie. I knew there was something special in the air. I could just feel it. I just knew it. I, I couldn't have told you in the moment, but I felt something special. And that's why I played as aggressive as I did, because I'm like, man, this is my day. Everything's going to go right. And, uh, and I feel like that helped me be calm. I just knew that I, I could do it and, and believed it. Seven pars on the back nine until the end. Yeah, I mean, pars are almost like birdies on the U.S. Open, especially in 11 and 12. Speaking of aggressive, the, the, what, what club did you have on on one that you took right of the flag? Eight iron. Uh, yeah, I was not trying to go at that pin. <laughs> I was aiming at the TV tower, and, you know, it's the three-quarter eight iron. Knowing that my natural shot is a fade, I basically was a straight shot with that feel of a fade and ended up fading a little bit more than I wanted. Had I, ideally, that ball would have been 15 feet long right, but because I faded a little bit too much, it ended up being perfect distance. We're going to go back to the WebEx. What did it mean to have Phil there on the driving range when you found out to celebrate? You know, it's pretty unique that just a month ago, or just a little bit less ago, I was there watching him win. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Uh, you know, I was part of an amazing moment in history for him and for well the history of golf really um and for him to to be there you know he probably was home and came over just just to see what could happen he told me he was going to be watching he was on the putting green when i was getting ready to go to the tee and and uh, wish me good luck and you know for him to to stay and come and and 
congratulate me. I know he's going to talk to me at some point again because he hasn't had much time, but just the fact that he came, you know, he shows we're really good friends. We're extremely competitive. Don't get me wrong. We're extremely competitive, but when it comes time, we're really happy for each other, and I couldn't have been happier for him when he won it. He made history and proved a lot of people wrong, and in my little way, I made Spanish history, and hopefully I proved a lot of people wrong as well. Well, thank you so much, John. Thank you. So there you go. There was US Open winner, John Rahm. Um, and one thing which I always like about the US Open is the comedy prize giving that always happens at the end, which they can never get right, can they? They always have something muck up, whether it's the bloke who uh, was uh, dressed up as a parrot that, that year, the bird man, or people booing, or people falling over, or people forgetting how to speak. This time they had a fly pass and they all stopped to have this fly pass and the fly pass never happened or they had to wait several minutes for it to happen. Um, it's quite funny, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit awkward. Um, yeah, and then they quickly squeezed in their uh, their farewell to Mike Davis just as the F12s or whatever they were were approaching. So, uh, yeah, it was it was quite funny. Yeah, I don't know why that always happens with the, with the USGA, but um, no, a bit of entertainment and... Um, I think the USGA should, can, should actually take a lot of, um, you know, actually a lot of positives from this this event. They managed to get some good crowds in there. Um, they were well well behaved. I thought, as I said before, the tour, the course was set up brilliantly. I thought it's the best, I think it's most entertaining I've seen Tory Pines, I think. Um, it's. I thought it just played very well. The, the rough wasn't too thick. The greens weren't too crusty, were they? It just... It just played as a good, strong course, didn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a good test. It played as a very good golf course on the final day. Um, if you hit a bad shot, you were punished. If you played well, you could make birdies. So, um, yeah, it was good from that aspect. But there's a lot of hate for Tory Pines on, on social media. I don't know if you've seen it all, but a lot of people think it's very boring. The design's very boring. There's just bunkers in the fairway, bunkers by the green, and that's it. So... Uh, I can see it from that aspect as well. Um, I also would have liked to have seen the sun a little bit more. It was a little bit dreary. But, um, I mean, it, it gave us a great tournament. So what can you say, really, other than it provided a fantastic finish? I mean, it was in California. I mean, if you if you want some sunshine, you're going to get it there. So, uh, you know, it's not their fault if they didn't get quite wall-to-wall sunshine. And I, I, I do get the criticism of the course. It can but It's a bit of a slog. Uh, I remember watching Tigers win over Rocco Mediate 2008, and it was a slog. And I remember the final day was at, uh, well, it was at the playoff, was 18 holes the next day. And then everyone was like, oh, God, we've got 18 more holes of this this really tough golf course with just with two golfers on. Um, it, but it, it's caused drama then, and it's caused drama again here uh, this this time. I just, I just don't think it's a Mickey Mouse, it's just a good course. You know, I think it's got some really strong holes in it. Um, 18, I wonder if they need to think about something. 18 is a bit of a weird hole for me because it's got the only water hazard kind of on the course is there. Um, and it's, it is a bit odd. And there's also playing very, very easy. Um, I think it was the easiest hole. I wonder if they're going to change that. Uh, maybe they should change that to a, a par four or something like that. But um I, th- I think it's a it's a, just a very strong course, and it leads to drama, and that means great. You know, it's not it's not Augusta, it's not Pebble Beach, um, you know, it's it, it is what it is, and I think it's it's a very strong course to be honest with you. Yeah, I think they set it up well, but it's not a golf course 
that I would want to play, and I don't think many people are going, oh, I'd love to go and play that golf course. Mate, you couldn't hit it around West Hill. I mean, what chance have you got of hitting it around Torrey Pines? I'll be honest with you. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. I think I understand that. But it's not there for people to come and play. I mean, you can go on there anyway. It's for there to for, for drama and, and for a great setting. And that leaderboard going into the final day and then halfway through the uh, the final day was as spectacular a leaderboard as I was as I can never remember seeing, to be honest with you. Let's go through some of the names who uh, were close, but no cigar. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, second consecutive final group in a major, sixth runner-up in a major. Uh, he finished just one shot shy of um, 14 playoff after he bogeyed 17. Uh, he still never won on US soil, and he, he probably got a bit of criticism, didn't he, because he didn't go for the green in two on 18 because he was in the rough. Um, and actually decided that they would just go for a layup and try and hold the chip, which was a bit conservative, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was quite poor from the fans booing him there, to be honest, because obviously he's the professional golfer. He's the one who was four under par at the time on that golf course. Uh, they were just the ones that had, had a bit too much to drink. So, um, yeah, Louis knows best. He messed up the 17th, basically, didn't he? So, um, pulled back drive left and... That was game over. So, um, yeah, I didn't see anything wrong with his strategy on the last. I know, but I think I think you've got to go for it there. You know what is the? It, look, he's there in one. If he hits it into the water, yeah, then he's dropping for three, and he can get up and down for par or whatever. You know. Yeah, but, but if he didn't, know, he would then finish third. I know, but so what? Second or third, it doesn't matter. He's got enough money. He doesn't need any more money, does he? You know, he, he's got as much money as he needs. He needs to go for the win. And if he'd hit a... Re- he was going... I think he was saying to his caddy, oh, I've got, we've got the seven wood. I'm going to try and hit the seven wood out as well. Now, you know, what's... Why not? You know, he's got a better chance of holding a bunker shot or holding a shot from the rough. I know it's tough, but, you know, you're in that position. If you hit a wonder shot and you hold the shot, you know, you've won the whole thing. You know, I think he's got to be more aggressive in those situations. I think that's one of the reasons why he hasn't won in America and he had all these second-place wins because he just doesn't seem to be aggressive enough at the end to really grab the tournament by the scruff of the neck. Um, he's had chances before. He should have beaten He should have beaten Bubba Watson at, the, at Augusta when Bubba was in the trees on the, on the right, but Louis followed him in there, if I remember rightly. Um, so he's, I think... You know, if you look at where, how Ram won that tournament, he went for it and he goes, right, I'm going to win this tournament. I'm going to be super aggressive. I've got to, I have got. want to try and birdie his last two holes, and he did. So I think Uteisen, he's got everything. He's got, I think he's the best putter around 10 feet in the whole tour. You know, he's got one of the, the best swings in golf. He should be winning more, shouldn't he? Yeah, of course. But this is great experience for him. Uh, the PGA was a great experience for him. But... Um... Yeah, it was a bit weird. It was just a, a poor shot on 17 that cost him. And uh, he probably felt under an awful lot of pressure because he was the only man on the golf course that could stop Ram from winning. He must have known where he stood because uh, there were leaderboards out there. And uh, yeah, I guess the pressure just got to him a little bit because it, it was a poor drive on 17 that, that ultimately cost him. And talking of pressure, do you do we think Shambo was he? What was his collapse about? He he was leading with nine to play. They shot eight over on the back nine. He just hit three fairways on Sunday. Um, finished twenty sixth at the end. He was first. You know, with a couple of hours ago, he was first, and he finished twenty sixth. 
uh, was it pressure or was it bad was it bad management he's his kind of style of aggression you know drive a wedge did that not work this time for him uh, well, he was actually blaming bad luck. So he did have a couple of bad lies on the back nine, but not enough to shoot eight over par. Um, it's just bizarre, wasn't it? You you thought he was going to win the tournament and then ends up finishing tied 26. And it's not like he's a rookie or anything. He's a an experienced major winner, defending champion. So, um, yeah, he was just all over the place. I barely saw him at a fairway all week. He kept hitting into the crowd and not shouting for... Yeah, that's um, all. I mean, that's let's touch on that. I mean, that's just such bad form, isn't it? Oh, it's you know, terrible. He's gonna hit someone one day. Well, no, well, he I'm sure he's already hit being hit, but Bryson, come on, just shout for. Um, it's not on, is it? You know, it's just not on, it's just really selfish, yeah, thinking, which maybe is Bryson a little bit as well. You know, maybe he's slightly selfish. I mean, he's a very good golfer. A lot of it, a lot of uh, it's, you know, golf is, a, is an individual sport, isn't it? But I think that's out of order to manage you, isn't it? Um, he's getting a lot of abuse on, online, wasn't he, for this? So um, and it just doesn't help him, does it? It just doesn't help himself, does he? Smashing your ball straight at a human being that you could potentially kill, and you're just like looking away and just, you know, I don't know, maybe his caddy should shout for him. Maybe that's his responsibility as well. But it's, yeah, it's very poor, very, very dangerous. Um, well, you, hear, you actually hear a lot of people, other people shout for, but he's not doing it. So I don't know why he's not doing it. It's come on, come on, Bryson, sort it out. Um, you know, I th- you know, Bryson has been one of the, the the biggest and best entertainers in the sport this year. He's been, um, you know, he's been very excited to watch. But then you see him do that, and you go, "Well, come on, you're not helping yourself, are you?" Uh, and he gets more people standing in the Brooks Kepka camp. Uh, and Brooks, well, he he played well, didn't he? Finished fourth, but I think he'd be he'd be quite disappointed with that, wouldn't he? Yeah, when Kepka's up there in a major from now on, I just don't believe in him anymore. He he just for whatever reason he, he just doesn't have it when he needs to at the moment. Um, I'm not saying he's never going to win major again, but um, yeah, bogeying two of the last three holes. I mean, he did go for it on 18, so like I'm sure he's not too bothered about the bogey because he was he was obviously trying to birdie it and get to four under, beat Harris English in the cup house because we did think Harris English was going to win. But, um, yeah, you'd have to say it's a good week for Kepka again, but uh, another disappointment for him, you'd probably have to stay. Yeah, and I think the thing we've got to remember is, uh, if you remember the practice round when he was walking up those stairs and he was, he could hardly lift his leg up. He's suffering with this injury still quite badly, to say the least. I actually think he's playing miraculously good golf, to be honest with you, for someone who's obviously got had knee surgery and is obviously still recovering from it. I think he's playing very, very well. And I think he should be proud of how he's playing, to be honest with you, because I think he's a spectacularly good golfer. But, you know, he will start chipping away mentally about how many times now he hasn't, you know, he could have, it's amazing how many majors he could have actually won um, in the last few years. It's ridiculous. No, he's already won loads. So um, I, I, th- I think he's got, I think he'll be disappointed, but actually, I think he should be proud of his efforts, actually. Um, and, and someone else who is obviously going to be disappointed is Rory McIlroy. Uh, we really thought it was could have been his time this year. You know, he was two undergoing into the final round. Um, you know, so, so he's three under and he was just two shots back. And um, he just, again... Just when he needed his putter to behave, he had a few issues over the back nine. Um, 
he also got a bit of bad luck, didn't he, with a horrendous line line uh, in a, one of the bunkers as well, didn't he? Yeah, but he shouldn't have been there. Um, I, a bit like Bryson, to be honest. I, I barely saw Macro hit any fairways. I can't believe his um, stats are so good for the week. What are they for the week? Um, he hit 52% of fairways for the week, which is brilliant. But um, I just saw him leak so many to the right or left. Um, I think you're being harsh there. I thought you drove the ball brilliantly. Really? Yeah, I thought you was superb. Um, you were watching different golf to me, very possible. But uh, I thought I thought he was game was. I just I've been, I haven't seen him look as solid as that since. I mean, obviously he was very solid at Quail Hollow when he won. But I just thought his all round game was really on point. I really thought he was going to win. Um, and it was only until that that miss putt really on the. So what did he three putt the. 11th, the par three. If I feel if he holds that part, then actually, you know, he was still right in it because uh, I don't, he then doubled the next hole, didn't he? And I, I just don't think I think he was. That's when the nerves hit in, or that that's when the pressure really, really was really was on. So, I think there's lots of positives to Roy. He'll obviously be gutted he didn't get it done. You know, finished seventh. He doesn't want to finish seventh. He doesn't care about that, does he? Um, he wants to win, and I think Roy's in a very good place going into the Open. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess he's got that experience of contending again. Uh, he even said it's like the first time since Carnoustie in 2018 and Augusta in 2018. Uh, it has been that long. Um, and yeah, just a bit like Brooks Kepka now, or well, even to a more extent, you just don't expect him to come up with the goods in majors anymore. So um, for him to be where he was after three rounds was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I guess it's a learning curve, isn't it? He... Uh, well, that, that three part that you're talking about, maybe he could, could have just been a bit more aggressive there with his first part. Maybe it's just a little bit of a change in mentality on the greens. Um, but yeah, the, the sign's clearly good and, and it, it was good to see him up there, certainly. I mean, his game's, his game's so much better to where it was three months ago, isn't it? He's, he's night and day, isn't it? I think he's playing well. I think the change of uh, slight help with coaching-wise, Brad Faxon's obviously been helping him with his putting, um, and his putting looks much better. I know it's not it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he looks much more comfortable in the putts, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm never confident with uh, with Rory over his putts. I mean, he did hold a few nice ones, to be fair, but um, just like if I compare him to John Rahm, I think there's so much going on in Rory's head, whereas Rahm always looks like he's just freewheeling it, just, you know, just hitting the ball with no thoughts. Whereas Rory always seems a little bit negative. Um, obviously, he's been out there for a long time now, and, and he he speaks how even this week he was saying how he wants to get back to that twenty-two-year-old self where uh, he won this tournament ten years ago. And um, yeah, I think it's just all mental to be honest for Rory because um, his game is brilliant, and um, hopefully, he can get it all together next month. I, th- I have a feeling he's going to be very strong at the Open. Um, I just think. All this is helping him trend in the right direction, as they say. And um, I think you're right. You know, like Ram. Let's let's not forget about Ram. I know you're a massive Ram fanboy, so you're always going to big up Ram more than anybody else, aren't you? But uh, Ram's the fourth Spaniard ever to win a major, uh, behind um, Sevi, Oli, Sergio, and now Ram, and the first one to win a U.S. Open. It's it's an incredible feat, isn't it? Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, an amazing achievement, and uh, he dedicated it to Seve, didn't he? I remember podcast listeners, if you listen to our chat with Bill Elliott, 
maybe a month ago when when Tom would have been on holiday, whenever that was. Um, Bill was really saying how Seve loved the National Opens because they had the history and the prestige. And and unfortunately, Seve never got to win the US Open, like Ryan was saying. And um, yeah, just what a great golfing country when you say those names. Um, and yeah, John Rahm's another one. He's a fantastic guy as well, isn't he? He's always so wonderful to listen to and um, just a great ambassador for the game. And, and I think he's going to set some own records for himself and uh, definitely win some more. Yeah, and great to have another European uh, major winner, especially in a Ryder Cup year as well. He's he's going to be really uh, leading from the front now, isn't he? Uh, you know, being US Open champ with a Ryder Cup on US soil, you know, trying to uh, win the cup back for Europe. I mean, that's he's going to be really up for it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was um, he was pretty good last time at Le Golf National, and uh, with the experience now, he's going to be the leader. Hopefully, he's world number one by then. Although. I've got a feeling that DJ could go back to world number one with like a top 40 finish this week or something. But um, yeah, Team Europe's looking strong. Uh, as Ram said in his press conference, Padre Harrington called him after the the, um, the memorial debacle. So obviously the, the team morale is fantastic. And um, yeah, it's going to be an easy win for Europe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, think, I, do, I, am, I do think Europe are going to do well. I think they're very well set. And I think Ram being US Open champ is uh, he's just great. And um, he was quite raw still at the golf flash now. He was he was very emotional um, in everything that he did, and he was a bit lively. And I think he's just going to be in a great place. And I don't think any Americans going to want to play him in the singles. To be honest with you, um, yeah, it could be really really good showdown. That I think so. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Before we finish talking about the US Open, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist. It was another successful week for the number one brand in golf which was the most played golf ball, driver, hybrid, utility iron, iron and wedge at Torrey Pines, a feat never achieved by another brand. Meanwhile, on the LPGA Tour, Titus brand ambassador Nelly Corder trusted the new Pro V1 golf ball and 14 Titus golf clubs, including the TSI 1 driver, to become the first player to win twice this season on the LPGA Tour. To find out more about every Titus brand ambassador and the equipment they use, head to titus.co.uk. So, moving on to this week, we have the Travellers' Championship on the PGA Tour, and it is another strong field, isn't it? Straight off the back of the US Open, Bryson DeChambeau leads the field. He's 11-1, to 1. Dustin Johnson, 12-1, to 1. Patrick Cantlay, Paul Casey, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed. Really strong field, isn't it? Yeah, I thought Rory was playing, actually, but it doesn't look like he was. But, um, but I know the players absolutely love this event. I think from a, a player perspective, this is one of their favourites, because of the amazing golf course and the way that the um, tournament treats them. I remember Paul Casey saying this was his favourite stop on tour. And yeah, I love this event. I remember back at school, I used to watch the YouTube highlights on the PGA Tour. And I remember Bubba Watson winning this event. I think it might have been his first win on the PGA Tour. I could be very, very wrong there. But uh, yeah, it's got a really good finish, great course. And yeah, just a, a really strong field this week. So uh, a good event. You've just reminded me of something that you sent over on our uh, group chat about oh, yeah. a Facebook post that you posted uh, 11 years ago, where it said you were listening to the radio in the 2010 US Open. Yeah, right. sad times. Didn't have Sky Sports. And who won? Who won that year? Graham McDowell. Yeah, classic. That was a that was a that was another late night. Remember that. And Graham McDowell was a columnist for Golf Monthly at the time, so we were all cheering you on. 
I remember that really vividly. So uh, uh, I was able to watch it. I think I did have Sky at that point. So um, yeah, listen to the radio. It shows how much of a fanboy you've been. You're just a golf obsessive, aren't you? Ever since uh, your teenage years. So uh, fair play. So who do you fancy this week at the Travellers? Because before we, uh, before actually before you answer, let we need to mention something which we haven't mentioned yet, which is Jeremy Chapman picked another winner, didn't he? He had John Rahm. Well done, Jeremy. Uh, golf monkey tipster still smashing it up and uh, you can check out jeremy's uh betty tips every week just go to the golf monthly website golfmonthly.com or check out our social media at golf monthly on twitter and instagram and uh, golf monthly magazine on facebook or of course just search for it search golf betting tips golf monthly and you'll click on the links um but he did very well again didn't he so are you um did you pick john Rahm last week um I can't remember. I didn't actually put any real money on the tournament this week after losing 40 quid on Sergio at the PGA. So I was a little bit scarred from that still. Um, but yeah, Jeremy also had Ram at the Memorial and a lot of bookies paid out for that win. So um, I wrote on the homepage that it was sort of a win that week as well. So you kind of say he's gone back to back. Indeed. And I had money on both. So I'm quite happy. So um, uh, well done to him. So who do you like the look of yourself from your own little head? Who do you think is going to do well? Uh, away from the favourites, I'd go... Well, in the favourites, I'd go Casey. Away from the favourites, I would go Matt Wolf. Played really well last week mm-hmm. after his um, breakaway from the tour. And I've also noticed Guido's playing after an amazing T4 at the US Open in his first ever major appearance. Chipping. Um, he was chipping. He was holding everything he was looking at, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then fist pumping about seven times after it. Big fan of Guido. Um, been um, when I was doing the betting tips, I tipped him a few times when he won. Um, also, I spoke to uh, the guy who was his fitter, and he always said how much of a nice guy he was. And um, he's one of the ones that they'd, you know, been on tour for a while and uh, seen him from a very young person to uh, to uh, to a winner on tour. So. Um, Everyone always seems to talk very highly of him and, and, and say that he's a nice guy. So uh, it was nice to see him play well and showing a bit more. There's a bit more continental passion, wasn't there, at the US Open? And, uh, well, yeah, well played to him. So I really like that. And I'm going to just mention someone else from the continent of Europe and from the same, the same country as Guido, and that's um, Francesco Molinari, who is really good to see, came back into some kind of form, 13th at the US Open, he was sharing the leaderboard with his brother on day one, wasn't he? Which was, again, great to see. But, you know, is this the start of Molinari's return to form? He's 66-1 to 1 this week. Um, if he's going to make the Ryder Cup team, he's got to show something, hasn't he? So this, do you reckon he's got a chance of turning it around? Uh, yeah, definitely. He had sort of like those three top tens at the start of the year or something, didn't he? And then he, he's gone away from that. I, I know he... Um... He went through from the PGA for injury, I believe. So, uh, yeah, he needs to get his act together because those wildcard picks are going to be so difficult for Harrington or, or so easy. It's going to be Sergio, Poulter and Rose at the moment, I think, unless somebody does something amazing. So, um, yeah, it was good to see him play well last week. And, um, yeah, just needs to get the ball rolling again. And, um, yeah, I, I mentioned Poulter there. <laughs> I think he shot seven over par for his last seven holes after... A fantastic three and a half days of the US Open. So, uh, Poulter's another one I'd like to tip this week as well because he's clearly playing really well and just um, 
was, was very disgusted with himself on Instagram afterwards. I, I saw his story. Yeah, he wasn't too happy, was he? But, um, you know, there's lots of guys who have been playing pretty well, but, um, you know, haven't quite been able to do it week after week. And as I say, Molinari, he's had to go through quite a lot of bad injury and uh, I think he's obviously relocated to America as well now. So he's been going through a few things, but um, he was the best player on the planet, wasn't he? Let's face it, in 2018. And, um, I, well, you know, he it can only the odd thing here and there and he could be right back there again so um let's uh hope he does do well so if you want to find out jamie chapman's betting tips for the Champions championship do go to golfmonthly.com as i said and click on the links we've also got another women's major this week the kpmg women's pj championship um, which shows again a, a great showcase for the fantastic women's game a really strong field elliot looking forward to this yeah this is a massive event in the women's game it's um Perhaps their most favourite major. I remember Mel Reed saying that she absolutely loves what KPMG have done with this tournament. And obviously it's the PGA Championship, so um, a very historic and prestigious major. Uh, it's at the Atlanta Athletic Club this week, which which was where Keegan Bradley won his PGA, wasn't it? So um, really excited to see that again. Um, should be a, a massive week it's all about benjamins as we heard on that sky sports advert four and a half million dollars up for grabs i think the whole of the uk and ireland knows that after watching that advert um and yeah we had a really good winner last year in say young kim finally won her first major after i think about 10 lpga tour titles and um yeah just keep saying how good the women's game is at the moment um all the big names seem to be playing really well so uh, this should be a very very good week and uh, headlining, Inby Park is the favourite, about 12 to 1. Nelly Calder, who we mentioned earlier, who won last week, 14 to 1. You mentioned Mel Reid, 100 to 1. That's good odds, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous odds because she is definitely playing the best golf of her life. Yeah, so that's someone to look out for. And uh, we've got to mention Lexi Thompson, who, of course, was so close to uh, to winning a major just a couple of weeks ago. She's 25 to 1 as well, which I think is pretty good, good value as well, isn't it? Yeah, she, interestingly, she's actually played the last two weeks after that. Uh, so I would have thought that after that massive sort of heartbreak that she would have a week off or, or two weeks off and work on her game and, and just clear her mind. But yeah, I think she's going to be a little bit mentally tired this week after, yeah, just no time off. Or maybe she's just overly driven. She just wants to keep <laughs> yeah. going. More golf, more golf, more golf. So uh, again, check out our betting tips for that on the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com. Uh, we'll make sure Jeremy does a does a guide for that as well. So uh, do check him out and find out who Jeremy is uh, thinking going to do well this week. And then we've got one other event, the BMW International Open on the European Tour, uh, headlined by your your favourite golfer, Victor Hovland, is uh, has travelled over, and I hope he's all right because he had to withdraw from the US Open, didn't he? Because he got sand in his eye. Did you see this? Yeah, I think. He would have carried on if he was playing well, but he was about nine over par at the time, missing his first ever major cut. Um, and yeah, very, very odd. Sounded like he got some some dodgy sand in, in a, some dodgy places, but um, I saw him practicing it over the weekend at Torrey Pines, so clearly keeping his game in good shape, and maybe that's just like a couple of things off. So um, yeah, I think he's going to win this tournament quite easily. So I got some shower gel in my eye on Saturday night, and it was horrible. It's so painful. So uh, a bit of grit in your eye. I wouldn't be able to play golf to professional standard either, but maybe it was something uh, 
to do with them being nine over pars, yeah, as you say. But it's a quite strong field at the International Open. Louis Oosthuizen is travelling over. It's an awfully long way to go, isn't it? You know, your West Coast going over to uh, where they playing Germany, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is always an event that has uh, some big name players. It's always an event that I think spends some appearance fee money from the uh, the title sponsor BMW. Because in the past we've seen like Xander Schauffele, Matt Kuchar, um, and sort of big name Americans over. I don't think there's any big name Americans this week, but um, yeah, it's going to be great to see Hovland over in Europe. Sergio as well, love Sergio, great player. Probably will fancy his chances of winning this one as well. So uh, yeah, really, really strong field actually. And just looking at those three tournaments we've got, I mean, it doesn't stop, does it? Just Great golf after great golf after great golf. So, um, yeah, golf fans are, are in for a treat this week. There's definitely no um, let-up. Yeah, as you say, Hovland, Oosthuizen, Garcia, all uh, due to tee it up. Wiesberg has well been playing very well. Mike Keimer, Sam Horsfield, you know, been having a very good season. So, um, yeah, again, really looking forward to yeah, this. Yeah, played really well last week. Yeah, very, very solid. So, um, yeah, no, really good field, actually. And um, even at the moment, and hopefully he's confirmed, one of the people who was the headlines for last week, Richard Bland, he is also at the moment currently being priced by one bookmaker. So I'm not actually sure if he is going to be playing or not. But um, I think we should maybe just end today by just saying how amazing it was that Richard Bland was leading the US Open after 36 holes. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, if you said that to us six weeks ago, we would have been like, sorry, what? Richard Bland, who lost his European tour card the other year and was on the Challenge Tour. But yeah, just that just shows you what the European Tour does for people. It changes their careers. It you know keeps them competitive, um, gives them confidence, gives them finances to you know better themselves, I guess. And uh, yeah, his swing over the first two days looked absolutely delightful. Um, and then... Yeah, he said he found out what the US Open was really about over the weekend. Shooting maybe 13 over par for the last two rounds or something like that. Finishing tied 50th, which was a, a real shame. I think he only took home about 27 grand in the end when he could have easily, you know, won two or 300 grand if he kept up his, his um, first two rounds play. So, yeah, disappointing, but I'm sure it'd be a, a fantastic week that he would look back on with great fondness. Yeah, he shot, uh, I mean, he shot 70, 67, 77, 78. But it's, that's what I think everyone expected him to shoot, you know, those fast, those last two rounds. So, you know, I think he should be very proud of what he's done. And, uh, you know, he's, he's changed his career around, hasn't it? This, this, you know, he's, he was looking to the senior tour in a couple of years' time. And now look at him, he's, uh, he's almost in the world's top 100. He's 111th, I think, at the moment. So um, it was amazing this, to have him at the top of the leaderboards and, and playing so well. It was, it was brilliant. And I think you're right. You know, it wasn't, it showed, it wasn't just about the Americans this, this, uh, this time. You know, we've, we've spoken about people from all over the world. So, uh, again, I think it shows how good the course was set up and how good the tournament was. But uh, well done to him. And if he is playing this week, good luck to you, Mr Bland. You know, we're all, I think everybody's cheering you on. I think you're, everybody's one of your second or third favourite golfer now. Everyone will be looking out for how well you're doing because it's been such a, a roller coaster the last few weeks. So Elliot, thanks for chatting. You can go and have a coffee or go and have a lie down. Yeah, uh, thanks Tom. 
and uh, we'll speak again next week to find out who won the women's major, who did well in America, and who did well in Germany. So until then, stay safe, and we'll speak to you again.